I told you the word can't doesn't really exist? It's kind of in your imagination. You, uh, you kind of tend to make up the word can't for when you don't feel like doing something or when you, when you feel that there's not enough knowledge in your, in your brain, I guess, to, to do something, to utilize something or to figure something out. Uh, you know, even changing a tire, uh, anything, honestly, you know, just a quick example, changing a tire. If, if you don't know how to, um, and you say, I can't, I can't change the tire. I need help. And you call your friends and family and so on and so forth. The information is so readily available with us, with uh, our electronic devices these days that, you know, it, it takes longer for you to say the words, I can't do this. than it, than it honestly does just for you to Google, like, uh, how to change a tire. And, and I use Google as a, you know, a broad term for a search engine because it's the most common today. Um, that we use, but I mean, you can use DuckDuckGo or anything like that, and you'll still find the same results on how to change a tire. It's probably an infographic on how to change a tire. So, just to say I can't doesn't mean that uh, you're right. You know, it's it's truly a it's it's a made up word based on the fact that you you don't know, you don't have the knowledge, and uh, you don't have access to that knowledge. So. Before you ever say I can't again, um, just really just just reword it because honestly, you set yourself up for failure the very second you say the word I can't. The words I can't. Um, you know, I I I felt for the last week or so like that I just can't do a podcast, if you will. But um, I, I tried just loosely doing it this way, and um, for my first one and and my second one, I wrote everything out. Uh, typed well, typed it all out and kind of let let myself notes, and I, I guess my my style is more just thinking off the top of my head, and uh, and going about it that way rather than following notes. I don't, I, you know, I, I do well with doing research, but I don't do well with with looking at the research. So to say I can't was 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 wrong. I I didn't necessarily didn't say I can't. I just sat there for days trying to figure out what I what I could and could not do. So I mean. I don't know. It's a it's a messed up thing, but to to limit yourself like that is very detrimental to your success and your well being and who you are, uh, you know, and, and to your knowledge base. Uh, it's 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 really to to what you need to know to what you learn. Learning is so freaking easy now. We have the world at our fingertips, and and to to say that to say that lightly uh, is an understatement or whatever. But you know. It's, you really do. You have the great university of, well, you know, YouTube, if you will, that is, uh, you, you can learn how to do everything from, from how people have done, um, you know, how to make a motorcycle or how to do certain chemical, uh, experiments, how, how to make a pulse jet. Uh, so all these things are readily available online. Right, you know, you can you could basically do the same research a NASA scientist does to a degree and put it together and and so on. So, you know, uh, now a, a good example of I can't and when I kind of figured out what the word I can't was, and what the words I can are, uh, you know, and, and learning become. Uh, I really have to turn those notifications off when I'm doing this on Do Not Disturb. So, but uh, when I found out that I cannot, uh, or one one of the words I can't become completely useless, because I, I actually was, 
at the helm for the first time on a, on a 60-foot race yacht in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean in a hurricane. Uh, it was it was bad, but uh, I I we were motoring for like three days down the down the coast from Lunenburg, and we 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 were going along. It was nice and calm, like I mean, scary calm seas, like as as calm as this bathtub right now. And yeah, just shooting a podcast from my bathtub. It's so it's probably weird, but it's actually comforting. So um, yeah, so we were motoring along and. And then I, the water started getting a little rough. I've seen the red sky. Actually, it's the only picture that survived on my iPhone. The rest, like, I could not recover anything else, which is sad. But I have three pictures from that morning. And, you know, they say red sky in the morning, sailor take warning. Um, I, it, that didn't even clue into me at that time. Uh, literally, I just kind of, oh, look, the sky's pink. Oh, cute. You know, take a picture and continue on about the day. But to move around on that boat at sea, I... I had the hardest time to, to stand up. I was kneeling and crawling and, and we were just motoring. So, I mean, but we, I, I went down to sleep. My, the skipper obviously knew, uh, Chris, he, he knew what was going on. He knew what was, what was going to happen to a degree. I mean, he knew that the weather system, I, I looked at the grip files and I was like, ah, you know, it's a bunch of lines on, on a map. Like, you know, what the fuck's this mean? Um, so I later found out what uh, GRIB stands for. Um, I guess it means uh, get real, it's bollocks. Uh, it's just lies because it, it does alter. Uh, we, we were expecting winds of 45 knots, um, and that was like a maximum call. And so, you know, even he was expecting that, and he's like, oh, you know, it's just it's just normal. It's, it's kind of, it's part of the job and stuff. And this is, again, my first time at sea, period. I, I always tell a story that uh, I, the only time I was ever on a boat prior to that was uh, I was on a canoe uh, and uh, and a ferry. So that was my experience on the water. So anyways, I, I, I go down and I I go to rest and go to sleep. And, you know, we had our wet weather gear already and stuff like that for in case anything was bad. But I, I crawl up into my sleeping bag and my minimally packed everything because I was not ready for this experience. And uh, I had probably a really peaceful sleep, and half of it was probably due to the rocking of the boat. Now, before I went to sleep, we had put up the, I believe we were on uh, one reef or, uh, in, in the mainsail, and we had the, uh, the jib up, and we were going along. And so I, I wake up to a big thump, thump, thump on the deck, you know, like somebody just, he, he was kicking the deck trying to wake me up and yelling. And, uh, and what it was, uh, you know, I popped, popped my head out the hatch and he, he screams at me. He's like, you know, get your wet weather gear on, you know, get, uh, you gotta get up on deck. I need your help. And so I, oh, okay. You know, and I kind of, at that point, I'm kind of feeling how the boat is moving and it was rather rough. And anyways, I, I go to get up on deck after I squeezed into the suit from a 1993 race of, uh, Yamaha Whitbread 60. So this suit hadn't been used since 1993, maybe like maybe 96 or something, but uh, luckily it, it fit me. I squeezed into it and uh, I felt like I was going to choke to death because of the neoprene seal and it mustered the energy to get up on deck. And of course, you know, you can imagine at this time with the wind picking up a bit, I was, I was kind of crawling. I didn't realize how bad it was at the time uh, because we were just going up and down waves. I was kind of more focused on my exact, my like trembling fear. 
of how to to just move like like how am I gonna crawl along and everything so I get back to the helm and he, he tells me what's going on he says you know the, the winds picked up quite substantially and we're going to have to lower the sails and and try and just heave to and, and see what happens and you know and, and ride it out ride out this storm well he uh, he gets me to release uh, the main because we we're trying to point upwind now uh, I will get into a little more detail with the with the size of these waves but uh, he he we were he was kind of steering up and down them um, uh, helming I guess if you will and trying to keep the boat going normally now in these in these situations with these kind of boats in the last like 20 years they've used nothing but auto helm sometimes you know you get the clipper races and so on they they utilize uh, uh, crew members to do to do it just to build skill and uh, you know sometimes it takes multiple crew members up on deck well we had two me and him you know there wasn't uh, like 16 people aboard like there would be a, a clipper vessel or 18 which the boat was originally set up for to race around the world but there was two of us on this 60 foot boat made to go fast so uh, I, I go to let the sail down uh, when he says do just drop the sail uh, and the, what had happened was we couldn't get exact point into the wind and if I recall correctly actually the wind was more blowing us off at every every chance it had so what happened is the mainsail started to come down but the battens ended up kind of getting caught along the spreaders and so it, it would not move and with the wind pushing on it and, and everything it it prevented it from being being taken down now we left the jib up at that time to to keep the stability but uh something needed to be done so he looks at me he says i, I need you to take this helm and i was like um uh, okay <laughs> like what what do you want me to do and he's like so you know that feeling when you're going down a road and, and you feel you know you feel kind of leave underneath you, you get that gut feeling in you it's like yeah you know the like butterflies in your stomach he's like yeah that feeling it's like well, I want you to steer up this, and this is, like, I can't remember exactly what time it was. I'd have to have to go back and, and check, but uh, it was dark. It was at least, I think it was about uh, 10 o'clock at night, maybe 11 o'clock. It could have been later, but uh, so I, I get up, and I stand in front of the helm, and, and he's kind of showing me as, as I'm standing beside him, sorry, and he's like, okay, so when we go up, to, when we go up, you know, I want you to turn this way. And when you feel that gut feeling, I want you to turn all the way this way, you know, turn the opposite way. And, uh, and then, you know, as you feel the boat kind of coming to the bottom of the wave, I want you to start turning the other way. So you're kind of carving up and down it at angles. You can't just go over top of the wave. You have to carve them at angles. It's like, okay, sure. You know, like not really comprehending, uh, what he was saying, <clears throat> to a full, you know, degree, but I kind of got it, but, you know, again, this is my first time on a boat, let alone a sailboat, um, so, anyways, I, I, I stand in front of it, and he, he stands there, and kind of holds the wheel as I try and get, get in, get in position, and I'm, I'm latched on, you know, we, we clip on, we don't, uh, we started out initially with that boat, actually, we had a one-clip system, and after that event, it, it really showed the need for kind of a two-clip system, so, well, thankfully, the uh the harnesses that we wear are like climbing harnesses almost if you will and we have uh, a clip on uh so we always stay clipped on 
So what uh, what we what I did was I clipped on to the side rail beside me and, and grabbed a hold of the wheel and, and he's kind of standing there and I pull myself up, pull, you know, go up the wave one way, like to the right, I think it was, to, and uh, to the starboard side. And, and then as we go down, I kind of start turning uh, to the port side. So <laughs> um, there's a couple times for about 15 minutes, he stood there for about 15 minutes and he had to grab the wheel and kind of redirect it a little bit just to, just to get a feel, but otherwise I was, I was there. And you know, 15 minutes at that point felt like forever. So at, when he felt confident enough that I was able to do so, he ended up, uh, he said, okay, now I have to go up and, and I have to go up forward to the mass and, uh, and kind of get the sail down and pull it down. I was like, okay, so you want me to just keep doing this? He's like, you're going to have to. It's like, okay, no worries. I'll try my best. And, and you know, and so it, it was a good, he gets up to the, to the mainsail and, and through this weather, like it wasn't just a walk up and it's only like 20 feet away to the mast. Like, and, uh, it, it takes him a good, like five minutes to get up there because you know, just, there's just the violent, uh, the violent weather we're having. So he gets up there and he starts doing his work and he's, he's working away at pulling it down and trying to get it, get it unstuck and he's shaking and stuff like that. And I, I don't think he, he didn't really climb up, but he was uh, off to the side a bit. And, and you know, this man, uh, I, I hope he someday clips on, but he doesn't clip on. So I'm like nervous as old heck, you know, like I'm going to be out here alone by myself. I, I think I might've made a note about it at some point through the whole thing. Um, and he says, you know, I'm good. I know what I'm doing. So, you know, that's fine. You know, whatever. I, I trust the guy and, you know, still, he's still kicking. So knock on wood, but, uh, <clears throat> he's actually my mentor today. So, uh, so anyways, I, after he's up there for about, uh, you know, 20 minutes or so, I, I, I felt my knees giving out on me, like just, just my legs. I just wanted to, to drop and, uh, and, and stop. And I screamed up to him, I was, I was like, Chris, Chris, you know, he's like, he's like, what? He kind of comes back a little bit towards the cockpit and kind of puts his head down. So, and you know, the wind is blowing at this point, it's blowing, uh, we, we, we lost everything. Uh, we lost our wind instrument on the top. We lost, uh, our, our radar, we almost lost our radar, our steering, we lost at some point through the storm. So like, you know, this wind's violent. It's blowing at about 75 knots, uh, and we're getting 95 knot gusts of wind um, throughout this whole ordeal at, at the peak. Um, so anyways, he, he, he yells out, he's like, what? And I, I, I said to him, I said, Chris, I can't do this, man. I, I, I just cannot do this. It's, it's not happening. I don't think it's possible. He says, man, you're doing it, okay? So just, just remember, like, our survival depends on you, on what you're doing. Uh, and if you can just keep doing that a little bit longer, we'll make it out of this. Like, just don't give up. It's like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this. And at the whole time I'm, I'm saying that I'm actually doing it, but I don't want to because my knowledge isn't there. I don't have the knowledge for that. I, I don't have the brain for it. I, that's my first time on a freaking boat. I've never, I hadn't even been on a dinghy. I've never been on an opti, never been on a laser, never sailed an old you know, an old cat boat, nothing, like nothing simple, nothing easy to be like, oh, hey, this is the principles of sailing. No, nope. uh, this is strictly, this was my learning experience. So 
after he kind of gave me a quick little pep talk, he was he was uh, up up by the grinder at this point, which is you know a good ten feet away. He didn't want to get on the other side because the because the boom and everything that so and the traveler. So he kind of stayed back there and he gave me a little pep talk, you know, a good five minutes, and and I just kept doing it. So he goes back up and and it, it was about an hour and a half of him getting the the mainsail down and getting the uh, getting everything secured so it wouldn't kind of blow around and whatnot. And maybe it was a little bit longer, but I'm pretty sure it was around an hour and a half or so. And, you know, say we'll say two hours with the whole, you know, pep talk and stuff like that. So he's, he comes back down the cockpit. Man, you, you can see, like, the determination, the will. Like, when he gets scared, he gets angry kind of thing, you know, that kind of person. And it's not, like, angry as in, like, angry at a person, but just, like, angry at the situation and he's going to dominate it. I don't think I could ever get that kind of feeling for doing something like that. I don't know. It's... But again, you know, don't say can't because, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, so uh, he, he gets down and uh, and he comes back and he, I think he takes over the wheel, gives me a minute to sit back and, and then he asks me to go up and, and take down the helm. Or take down the, ugh, helm, geez. Take down the head sail. Uh, and uh, I don't think it was a roller at that time. Maybe it was, it might have been a roller for a minute. So anyways, we, we get the head sail away or stowed down and uh and yeah and the, everything kind of slows down a little bit we have no power uh like as far as wind power goes we have nothing but the wind actually ended up pushing us at uh at 10 knots sideways sometimes uh, we didn't have any sea anchors or anything like that it was would have been bad at that time to utilize uh, a sea anchor just because of the sheer pressure and the force and as i said it was 75 knot winds 95 knot gusts we were we, we pinged at like 28 meters, I think, at one point uh, through our GPS. That was a ping. Now I know we were higher than that at certain points, but we were falling off these waves. And, and it wasn't like only one day. No, <laughs> no, not one 24-hour period, not two 24-hour, no, not 48 hours. No, we, we were in it for over three days in that weather, and, and it destroyed... Uh, it ruptured a diesel can in the back, so we had liters of diesel. And it didn't rupture, but it like uh, it uh, cracked a, a fitting on it, and allowed diesel to get through at the boat. I my boots literally melted on the bottom pretty well for walking through diesel. My clothes are all soaked and everything like that. The quadrant, uh, the ropes had fallen off of it around the quadrant, which is what goes from the two wheels to the rudder, and so on and so forth. So. Uh, oh yeah, and, and come to the end of it all, when we were standing there and we were relieved, he looks at me and says, where did the hatch cover go? Well, he, because I overlook things sometimes, I might have left a couple bolts out of the stoppers for the hatch cover. I'm not saying it did, but I'm just saying it might have. And that might have been a thing where I, I guess I didn't pay attention. See, the word can't doesn't even apply there. But I didn't pay attention to what I was doing, and I didn't understand it because it was my first time on a boat and first time working on a boat. So, anyways, the um, the hatch cover had flown off, and we had taken in a quite significant amount of water inside, destroyed my phones, uh, my laptop. Later, the power inverter went about five minutes after we we ended up finding the bathroom, the 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 fabric cover for the bathroom, and we we screwed through the deck, and 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 I drilled through the deck and screwed it all on. Now we drilled through Kevlar, so that was not fun. But literally about five minutes after that, the inverter went uh, and died and it never, never worked again. But uh, yeah, so 
the the whole thing behind that um i i don't want to get into the story too much but going on because i'll share share more from this point onwards but uh, the whole thing with all that is, you know, I, I didn't think I could do any of that. And when we left, we set sail, we cut the dock lines off because there was about an inch of ice on the deck and we kind of chipped it away as we went. And yeah, I, I could, and I can. And I, I, to this day, I, I pound the second fastest speed on Challenger, that boat, which was, uh, I think it was 26 and a half knots is what I had her up to and on surf. So you know, to say you can't, um, there's a definite understatement of your abilities and your ability to learn as, as a cognitive human being. And you're, you're capable of so fucking much. It's, it's ridiculous, but you don't feel that way when you have so many little failures and so many little bumps in the road that you just, you feel inadequate to your success and into your determination to do something. So next time you want to say you can't just just look at a way that you can, or look at something that you can do that is somewhat like it, and, and utilize that, and you'll eventually find that it becomes a, an upside-down pyramid, if you will, of from I can't being one, and then splitting off the two being the things that you can do, and, and then going from there. So, you know, the, the simplest thing like making a bologna sandwich may, may incorporate into changing a tire for you. <coughs> you know, the, uh, the sheer fact that Making bologna sandwiches only like what like what get the bread get the mayonnaise if you like mayonnaise get the mustard cheese and bologna cut the bologna would be step number five if if you need to and cut the cheese would be step number six changing a tire is about six steps you know well, let's go through it right quick before I cut this out but you know, you, you have to tire your trunk so you know you pop your trunk and we're not gonna count that as a step you you take out your spare tire you take out your jack so tires one jack is two you can count that as one still but i'll, I'll make it longer uh, and the jack comes with your tire iron and then you jack up the car step three you loosen off your bolts lug nuts step four which you kind of want to probably loosen them before a little bit before you jack it up that way it's easier so that's step four and then you take your lug nuts off uh so that, that coincides with loosening so that's still, you know i guess that'd be step four um and then you take the tire off, that's five. Put the other tire on, that's six. Uh, so we're at bologna sandwich, it's six, your tire's on. Uh, put your lug nuts on. So now you're making, starting to get your other bologna sandwich. Uh, so you put your lug nuts back on. You let it down, that's eight. Let the car down. You put everything away, that's nine. Nine steps. So a bologna sandwich and a half of steps. All you have to do is train your brain to do that to, to do something new and to do something uh, very systematic and that's the thing we are creatures of habit and and that's the amazing thing is is once we get into a habitual state of doing something it becomes so routine to us now i've changed a lot of tires so it's very normal to me to a person that hasn't changed a lot of tires it wouldn't be very normal to them so you know just think baloney sandwich whenever you do something baloney sandwich you know you get six steps baloney sandwich and if it's less than six steps it's easier making a freaking baloney sandwich if it's more than six steps, it's harder than making a bologna sandwich, but it's not impossible because there's still steps to it. So I guess that's the end of my rant is sitting in a bathtub today. Um, I might note that uh, I really like the diamond pattern on these walls and I think it's really cool. So but <laughs> anyhow, uh, you guys take care and 
yeah, I hope this actually goes somewhere. So I, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, have a good day.